Hi, this is Mark with Absolute Software Product Marketing and welcome to the Absolute Undeletable Podcast where we discuss everything you need to know about Absolute's undeletable endpoint security platform, the only solution on the market that secures your data, devices, and applications with an unbreakable connection to every endpoint on and off your network. Today is Monday, February 22nd, 2021. And once again, today's podcast guest is Jason Short, VP of Product Management at Absolute. Jason, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks, Mark. Nice to, uh, nice to talk to you again. And you sound so melodious that I have a feeling that you probably upgraded your, your headphone and microphone and you sound like Casey Kasem, just so you know. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. The, uh, <laughs> uh, the Groundhog's Day Groundhog bought me my, my annual Groundhog's Day present. It came out of its hole, said you have six more years of quarantine. Here's a microphone to keep talking to, uh, to Mark. Oh, I said, thank I- you. I hope you're wrong. I hope you're wrong. Well, in any event, hey, listen, we've got some big news to talk about. Um, you know, Absolute's been doing some remarkable things in the endpoint security space, and uh, uh, some great news happened to Absolute a few weeks ago. They were awarded the Cyber Catalyst uh, designation by Marsh. And I want to go into a little bit about that because it is a big deal, certainly a big deal for um, clients who use Absolute's uh, platform. But I want to talk a little bit about that. And so tell us a few things about the program itself. Yeah, thanks. We were definitely very honored and, and proud to have been selected by Marsh as part of their Cyber Catalyst program. For those who are not familiar with the program, uh, it's a collection of, of cyber insurers and uh, that, that come together. They've evaluated every year. They evaluate a number of different applications and, and tools to identify the ones that really help reduce overall risk for any organization. And, and as cyber insurers, what they're looking for is ways to uh, to reduce that amount of risk and, and uh, definitely provide uh, uh, offset that risk in um uh, in premiums for cyber insurance. And so they evaluated this last year, I think a little over 90 different tools and applications, and they chose 15. Uh, we were one of those 15. So again, we feel really, really honored to be uh, in that list. There's some really great other names uh, that are in that same list, some, uh, some tools that across the board help uh, both uh, reduce overall risk or uh, or uh protect devices against attackers. There's a lot of great uh, tools in there that, that uh, were selected as part of the overall program. Now, the, the, thing, the two magic words that you mentioned were cyber insurance. I mean, that's such a 21st century concept. Um, I have a feeling that's a bit like auto insurance or, or homeowners insurance, but let's go into that a bit because it's, it, it has become a big deal for you know, companies, large and small, because they want to protect your data. But let's talk a, a little bit about how that concept of, that, of cyber insurance, how that works. Uh, yeah, sure. Absolutely. And I, without being a certified insurance uh, provider, uh, I'll do my best to describe it. But it's an interesting industry, as you mentioned, that has come up really over the last started or probably maybe seven or eight years ago, starting to come into the mainstream. In the last couple of years, it's really taken off. Uh, and uh, what uh, cyber, cyber insurers do is two big, they provide two big things to the to the market. One is, of course, once a breach happens for uh for a, an organization, there's often a, a pretty significant monetary uh, 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 liability for them to either go in and address those issues with their customers or potentially they take a hit uh, in, in terms of their reputation. And uh, cyber insurers are there for that. But one of the other things that I think is the 
the not so well recognized part of what cyber insurance bring is uh, like any uh, like any um, regulation body, and they're not a regulation body, but but in essence, when the way that they uh, assign premiums, they end up enforcing best practices. Uh, so just mm-hmm. like as with your homeowner's insurance or with with well, the better one might be a car insurance. Uh, car insurers really push for you to be a better driver because if you get speeding tickets, your insurance rate go up. If you uh, blow through a stop sign, your insurance rates go up and cyber insurance really performs a, a similar task. It's, it's providing a reason for companies to have best practice cyber uh, security as, as part of their DNA because uh, it, it really it results not on only in uh, uh, protection for their corporate data and their customers' data, but but also uh, as measured by cyber insurance companies. Just amazing, absolutely amazing how the landscape has changed um, over the last <clears throat> 20 years or so in terms of how companies really have to protect themselves, even at the insurance liability um, level. But let, let's probe a bit into the, uh, the Marsh um, criteria. Um, you know, Marsh of Marsh and McLennan fame has been around for a long period of time. They have tremendous respect and credibility in the insurance um, space. You know, companies already know them. I mean, they're really a, a, I wouldn't say a household brand, but a recognized brand, but they're certainly recognized very much at the, at the corporate level for years. How about did they go about evaluating the uh, Absolute and the other 90 platforms uh, or products that you talked about? Because I have to believe it was a very rigorous process. It wasn't just a poll, you know, a popularity poll. I mean, my guess is that there was uh, a lot of um, competition was involved in terms of filtering what was the best product or not out there. Uh, you are absolutely right. It was a very rigorous process. Uh, it was, and and frankly, it was it was pretty fun to go through. As much as filling out uh, uh, questionnaires and and going <laughs> through uh, demos, but uh, one of the ways, because they're looking at uh, creating a base evaluation across a lot of different organizations and tools, is they help make sure you're. They help us understand how they're thinking about cyber products and and how does our product fit within that. Uh, within all those, uh, within several different categories of of endpoint protection, data security, uh, uh, end user uh, behavior monitoring, there's a lot of different categories that they looked at as the areas that they feel most contribute to uh, to cyber risk. And so, one of the reasons that they specifically looked at Absolute is around our uh, endpoint resilience, and in particular, application resilience of some of the other key tools that that are part of that cyber uh, uh, catalyst program. So uh, one of the things, and, and that you and I think have spoken on this uh, before once, I, I came from the AV industry previously, and in, in the antivirus industry, uh, a lot of a lot of those antivirus companies spend a lot of time and effort trying to get just a little bit better in their detection rules. Uh, meanwhile, oftentimes uh, those agents may either have out of date definitions or potentially not be functioning on on a good portion of of an organization's uh, fleet of devices. And so, what the the space that we really fill in uh, in in the overall cyber catalyst environment is ensuring that all those tools that you're investing in to uh, detect uh, bad actors, to detect malware, to uh, address those issues when they come up, uh, that those tools are there and enforced and healthy. And that's Mm -hmm. part of our application persistence. And the amazing thing is of the 15 solutions that were deemed by Marsh uh, with uh, this designation, which again is a a very, very um, 
um, uh, honored award to be able to get that kind of recognition, absolute resilience really stood out. I mean, really, that was the distinctive um, level um, that, that, frankly, I think obviously made the difference. So let's talk about absolute resilience. We've talked about it before. Um, it's a relatively new concept. You know, when you look at things at a macro level in terms of the things that can really help reduce risk at the endpoint. But let's talk about resilience and some of the challenges that um, customers have in dealing with the, the risks at the endpoint level. Yeah, you know, it's a couple interesting stats uh, along with that. One is nearly 70% of all cyber attacks originate from an endpoint. Mm. And when you have on average, even from our, our own and telemetry of our own customers, uh, just over 10, I think it's 10.2 the last time we, we looked at it, 10.2 uh, management and security uh, IT tools per device, uh, you it, something doesn't seem to add up. How can I have mm-hmm. so many tools on those devices and still 70% of all worldwide attacks originate from the endpoint? I have so much, so many layers of defense. Why, why, why are those falling down? And again, what, what we find is that uh, at any point in time, uh, 15 or so percent of those devices for every one of those tools, that tool isn't functioning uh, mm-hmm. as, as an average. I mean, some, some tools are, are really great. Some tools uh, have uh, deal with more collisions and having 10 agents on the same device, you end up with something called collisions uh, where mm-hmm. an, an encryption tool gets knocked out by a, an antivirus tool and, and vice versa. Uh, and so uh, one of the things that, that uh, are up, our resilience and our application persistence does is monitors the health of those key important tools. And if something knocks them off for any reason, uh, we bring them back and, and we don't just monitor those tools. We monitor the things that those tools also rely on other uh, uh, operating system services or so that, that those tools also rely on in order to function and, and be healthy. And my guess would be, uh, just my intuition, and you're probably going to throw some data at me that confirms that, that many devices on the endpoint don't get updated from an operating system standpoint, because Windows, for example, God knows that they're updating Windows continually. You could say the same thing um, about my, uh, Windows for the, last <laughs> for the last 25 years. So how, how, does, how does device OS migration and, and the problems that lie in um, those endpoints not being updated on a regular, uh, on a regular basis. How does that contribute to this problem? Patch management and, and really kind of what you're getting at there, I think is, is just in general patch management mm-hmm. is a challenge for a lot of organizations and it's challenged for a number of, of reasons. Uh, our, our data and we have some interesting uh, pages on our on absolute.com you can go to and look at there's a couple of covid based stats we say well all of these all of these users workers and all of these students went home for remote learning for uh for remote uh, work what has happened to their devices over that time period? What does is, what is that average patch cycle look like? And across the board, on average, most organizations are somewhere between 85 and 95 days. They fluctuate uh, really every day, uh, but usually in that realm of being uh, out of date patching by almost, mm-hmm. by almost uh, three months. And uh, any zero a day uh, attack, uh, now, now you have, you have, three months uh, uh, to sometimes uh, longer than that, where that device is, has known to be susceptible to a known issue. Uh, mm-hmm. when, when those devices are on the network, uh, because you're, you're back in the office, there's a lot of great network tools that, that people use in order to, uh, uh, to try to keep 
malware out of their environment. But when those devices are home, not only are they harder to keep updated because they're not connected to the traditional tools that keep them updated, but they also, uh, they're on less secure networks, right? You're, you're um, in your own home network and you don't have a, an IT professional monitoring your network and people trying to break into your network. And so uh, it's kind of a little bit of a, a perfect storm. Now we're not a, a patch management company, uh, but what we do see is this is an overall level of risk. And, mm-hmm. and the other tools that are on that device, whether they're an antivirus tool or so, number one, that they may be um, reliant on, on patches themselves, but, but more often than not, when those devices are vulnerable, you need to ensure that all of the other tools are there and working uh, because the device itself has become more vulnerable. And doesn't this really all boil down to this concept of dark endpoints where IT and security managers simply don't know, you know, um, uh, the, 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 what devices are vulnerable, you know, and, and, you know, hundreds of thousands of these devices have tremendously sensitive data on it. And, it, you know, it's one of those things, hey, if you don't know, you, um, if an endpoint is dark and you don't have visibility into the condition of that unit from a, secu- from a security platform standpoint, that's a prescription for really bad things happening, correct? It is. It is. You, you combine that with uh, also users since they're working from home and they hate being on VPN because it slows mm-hmm. everything down on all of their uh, uh, all of their other activities. They end up starting to also pull more corporate data and customer data locally to their device instead of relying it, uh, mm-hmm. leaving it in the uh, in, in corporate servers or in, in other tools. And so uh, so just to, to make that even worse, you're right. There's a little bit of there's more lack of visibility. Uh, there's lack of patching. And then on top of that, there's more sensitive data on those endpoints. And all of those for a cyber insurer is just layers and layers of additional risk. And so as the the, uh, six or so uh, different companies that make up the the cyber catalyst, the insurance companies that that looked at and evaluated all these tools, they were looking at tools to help mitigate that risk, and and really that's why Absolute was part of that overall category. Is is we keep those other tools, the things that provide visibility in what I like to call the pandemic. It's not catching on. I've been pushing it for a few weeks. It's not catching on yet. Uh, keep trying, but, uh, keep trying, Jason. Keep trying. <laughs> but when all of these, uh, when all these devices went from the land to the WAN and and uh, not necessarily as as visible to the administrators, uh, the insurance companies need to make sure that those that their customers have a way of of keeping their end user data healthy and happy and safe. And at the heart of absolute resilience is this the elixir, like I or I like as I like to call it of app persistence. So let's talk about that because to me, that's the tonic that, that allows resilience to be resilient. There you go, there's a phrase for you. But mm-hmm. let, let's, talk about, let's talk about how app persistent works. Uh, well, app persistence starts with almost everything with Absolute. App, app persistence starts in the firmware. Uh, so, mm-hmm. uh, so Absolute has been a part of almost every major PC that's been shipped in the last 15 years, uh, sitting there in the firmware dormant, waiting for uh, waiting for that firmware agent to be activated, and and it's activated by uh, by essentially buying a, a license of Absolute and and uh, activating that device of, uh, through our console. Once that uh, firmware piece is activated. Its first job is to keep application uh, Absolute's application healthy. So we have an application in the operating system, and the firmware agents 
primary job is no matter what happens, the device gets re-imaged, doesn't matter. Uh, we will ensure that uh, our operating system agent is healthy and returning control, remote control uh, to, the, to the administrator. And that's really where things started. Uh, a lot of customers a number of years ago said, you keep your own agent healthy. I'm having so many problems with agent XYZ. Can you do the same thing for my other agents? And so we started that uh, originally as, as some professional service engagements and then quickly realized that the problem was a lot larger than everybody really understood. Just how mm-hmm. how uh, those the, the, the decay of those agents happen over time. And, you know, to really make it worse, frankly, all of those agents themselves are, they're not end user facing. So when those are broken, the end user isn't calling into support and saying, hey, I think my antivirus isn't keeping its definitions up to date. Uh, the administrators are really blind when, when those apps fall down. And so, so as we uh, kind of started moving into that space, we looked at what are all the things that we do to keep our own agent healthy. We, we look at the agent, we look at its structure, we look at its behavior, we look at the things that it's dependent on, and we really just extended that capability where we uh, do the same thing for a device management tool or an antivirus tool or a VPN tool uh, to just likewise um, uh, look at all the aspects of that that, that uh, keep it healthy. And if it's not healthy, uh, we either fix it uh, through a, re- a set of repair tasks or potentially fully just reinstall mm-hmm. Uh, in the few minutes we have left, I want to you know roll this back a little bit to the um, to the Cyber Catalyst uh, uh, award designation. Is there a business benefit? Yeah, I mean it's great uh, recognition for Absolute, but is there a business outcome or a business benefit that a company can take advantage of because of that um, award designation? Uh, yes, they absolutely can. Anybody who is a current Absolute customer who also either has cyber insurance or is looking at purchasing cyber insurance and likely qualify for a discount in their cyber insurance by by having Absolute or any of the other names in that cyber catalyst uh, in their environment, as long as they're uh, they fully implemented per the per the specs of uh, the cyber catalyst program. And uh, it's unfortunately it's it's impossible to tell between one insurer or the other how what type of discount that that any. T- uh, organization might get, uh, especially if you're uh, combining two or three of those tools together to really have great uh, defense and depth. Uh, but uh, in all cases, part of part of being part of that Cyber Catalyst program is every one of those insurers that are part of it include a discount for having that tool in their environment. Well, it sounds like a win-win all over the place. And uh, I think uh, people should be excited because not very often, you know, do you get two for one, you know, with absolute, you get tremendous security protection on your security controls and potentially even a, a discount on your, uh, on cyber insurance. And uh, I just think that's terrific. Uh, any last messages before we sign off on the podcast? Um, Jason? Uh- no, no real other messages other than, again, we were just super honored to be selected. Uh, it's, a, it's a good vote of confidence uh, that uh, our investments that we've been making in development over the last few years are, are definitely hitting their mark. And, and so that's great validation for us. And for anybody out there who's interested in learning more about uh, Cyber Catalyst, uh, I think we have a link to it from, from mm-hmm. our website, absolute.com, uh, as well as uh, on the Marsh website. Yes. Well, Jason, listen, thank you for joining me for today's podcast. Uh, please do return because I want to make sure that uh, if you do a addition to, re- to replace Casey Kasem, 
that uh, we get we get a chance to um, hear you uh, become a DJ in some capacity. But really, again, <laughs> thanks for joining us for today's podcast. For more information about the Cyber Catalyst program, uh, please visit the Absolute website at www.absolute.com. For future updates and to subscribe to future podcasts, please follow Absolute Software on our social media partner list. That's Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. And until next time, have a great week.